Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird, and I got a great interview lined up for you today. What are we talking about? I don't know. Actually, I do know. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about fatherhood um, and a slew of other things um, with our very special guest today. My man X is on with me right now. X, what's happening, brother? How you doing? Oh, man, so good to be here with you on the show. Man, listen, absolutely. Business guy, awesome father, author. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, I've done a lot of uh, things in business, especially in sales. You know, I, I speak around the country doing some some training and things. But I got to tell you, the best job out there is just being a dad. Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> when people ask me what to do, you know, I think I think I think I should say, well, I'm a dad. Yeah. And they can say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a dad. Right. They can keep pressing. And, you know, I can say, <laughs> well, I also do a little work. Yeah. But I'm a dad. And that's what I'm most, you know, most keyed in for and, and like like doing. So how many how many kids do you have? Five kids, believe it or not. Jeez, how do you do it, man? Not oh, the, man. not having the kids, but I'm like, how do you how do you how do you manage having the well, you, you know five what? kids? Oh, I, I just got to tell you, you know, it's just it's just fun to come home and have kids run up to you and say, oh, "Hey, man. you're back from work, Dad," and give you a big hug, and then yeah. you know spend time. I think it's just prioritizing. It's just saying, "Hey, you know, we're I'm a dad first, and I'm a, a, a business person second. So, so if I'm if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that your priorities are family and then everything kind of else falls into place after that. So like the kids and family, that's that's kind of number one. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, you know, yeah, close. You know, so I'm I'm a man of faith too. So I, I feel go. like I need to, you know, you know, you know, be that honor you know be a man of faith first after that it's my family yeah after that it's probably finances i wish i was as fit as you are you know try to fit this finances somewhere there um but you know trying to have probably faith family finances fitness somewhere in there x is um, being real nice right now there's a reason why only people can see me from like the shoulders up so that's why <laughs> Oh man! Well, there's only one of us that's worked out so far today, and it wasn't. Me, so, <laughs> uh, I I love it, and I think I'm gonna, I want to hit something uh, uh, because you, a man of faith, real quick, because that's really important to me as well. And that that's in my opinion, and those of you that have been following me for years know that that's first and foremost to put God God first, um, and then everything else, you, you know, you can figure it out, but. You put your faith and everything first, God first. I've taught my son, hey, listen, it's here. It's like family first. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let me let me be clear on something, son. You put God first, then you, and then everything else. Dad's three, four. You put me wherever, but it's God first, then you, and then and then you decide what what's your priorities are after that. So I I I, I bring that up because I, I want to commend you on that. I think that's great. There's not a lot of, especially in the world that we live in today, um, I think that it's very important to share that as much as we possibly can. It needs to get back out. We need to bring God back into the communities. We need to bring God back into everywhere else and let and talk about it and let people know, hey, this should be number one, and then everything else kind of falls into place after that. So, thank sure, you for th- thank you for saying that. I appreciate that, and I think tr- it's really true, though. If you really if you really put God first, the other stuff falls in the line. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have questions about how to treat your family, how to treat your spouse, how to treat how to ha- handle certain situations, that stuff. If you have God first, I think it kind of just kind of falls into place. Yeah. Um, if you have you know something else first, uh, you can get a little off kilter and out of whack. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's talk, let's talk. Uh, I, I want to talk family stuff here real quick. Sure. Uh, you, five kids. What, if you don't mind me asking, I got, I got to ask cause I'm nosy. What, what ages, age range ages. So I've got, I've got 18 down to five right now. Can you believe that? So I've got one in college and I've got them all the way down to uh kindergarten at the moment. So it's a, it's a, it's a large spread. Um, we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, sometimes things get tense, but also it, sometimes things are really fun. I mean, I love being a dad. I, I, you know, nothing better. And, you know, this is the interesting thing. If I can just, if I can just yeah. say this, you know, 
There's a lot of people these days, I think that, you know, everyone wants to get higher on the social ladder. So people go out and work really hard so they can have a bigger house, so they can have a nicer car, so they can keep up with the Joneses. And here's the truth. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you even know what your great, great grandfather did for a living? So that's his grand, your grandpa's grandpa. And I'll ask people this. I'm not, and, and people will, they'll be like, I have no idea. I have no idea what my great, great grandfather, some people know they're like, well, he was a rancher, a farmer, farmer. he was somewhere. Um, But then here's my next question. I mean, do you care if he had the coolest horse? (laughs) Do you care? Do you care if his plow was like a Mercedes Benz plow? I mean, nobody cares. Right. (laughs) And, and here's the bad news for the good news and the bad news. (laughs) um, Nobody, your great, great grandkids are going to care about as much about the car you drove as you care about what kind of plow your farmer, your your great, great grandfather. had. But, but the kind of parent you are is literally going to affect them in ways that you can't even say now I'll give you an obvious example. Let me give you one obvious example. Um, um, I, you know, I, I live in America, you live in America. Now for me personally, the reason I live in America is because an ancestor, more than one ancestor of mine decided to get on a boat from Europe and come to America. Right. Well, that one decision made hundreds of years ago affects me. It affects the language I speak. It affects my religion. It affects my economic opportunity, economic opportunities, affects my educational opportunities. So this decision that they made hundreds of years ago is still profoundly, profoundly affecting me today. Right. Whereas what they did for a living no, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if they were a shoemaker or a carpenter or a farmer or, or a banker. I mean, it doesn't matter. But that one decision that they made. But there are other decisions. I mean, that are just as real. I mean, were they were they kind? Yeah. Were they drunk? Were they um, were they checked in or checked out? That kind of stuff is less obvious, but it's just as real. And so there are things that are affecting me today that my great great grandfather did that still affect me that I probably don't even have any clue how it affects me. Right. But it's there. It's real. Anyway. You got me going on something. No, that's it's it's so cool. You got the wheels turning because I started thinking about like I knew my my great grandfather, and I remember I remember my great grandfather. He died when I was really young, but I what I remember of him, he he used to walk with a cane, and he was he was uh, very well known in in the town. He always wore the man with the overalls, and they had a mural Mm. mural. Is that what they call him? Like painted on a wall in in one of the buildings. And he, it was him, and he always walked with a cane, and he had overalls on, and he had a spit cup because he was a big chewer back then, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but when I was a kid, we, he would sit on the chair, and, and you guys can't see this because this is a video, but he would lean on his cane. He'd lean forward on his cane. And if you walked in front of the TV as he was watching TV, he'd flip the cane up and poke <laughs> in the ribs. And that's, that's I remember that of my grandfather, my great-grandfather, excuse me. And I knew a little bit about, like, oh, my great, it was, like, great times eight grandfather. So great, 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 whatever, grandfather was the first, white settler in our area in Wisconsin and had married a, a, a Sioux woman, an Indian woman. And there's a statue that they erected of him down by uh, one of the rivers down in our area where I grew up uh, and whatnot. And there, wow. I would read about him and the type of man that he was. Uh, and I get to kind of look at how, you know, family trees and stuff like that is always kind of I've always kind of found that fascinating a little bit, like, oh, where do you come from? Who was in your family tree? Who do you not want to be a part of? Kind of, thing, you know, kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. it was it was just re- very interesting. So it's, but you're but you're right. I didn't care what kind of, you know, plow they had because my my great grandfather they didn't have you know it was it was all horse and buggy, even for him back then you know, and it was just like wow. And uh, so that that's pretty cool that you explain it that way. Let me ask you this, X. By the way, I do, just interjecting, yeah. you're one of the few people I think who who I've asked who can give some detail on what that is. So you're that's wonderful that you can that you're that keyed in and know the history of your family that well. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, most of the people I've asked that to say well, I have no idea. You know, I think it's a, I, I think know. it's I think <laughs> it's important as a as a man to to either. I've always wanted to know where, kind of like where I came from, right? Um, 
and and there's a there's a part of me like I I grew up not knowing my biological father, so the, everything that I just told you was from my mom's side. My biological father, I didn't know. I know parts of him and, and the history of where he came from and whatnot. Um, and I won't get into that, but it it it's what I do know, kind of cool, and other parts of it, like whoa, that's great. Now I know what I don't want to be, kind of a thing. And I think it's important as is that we know where we come from because you can take. Uh, learn from history, right? And in in I realize there's parts of history or, or where I've come from that I don't want to be like certain people that you see kind of coming down the line, like, hey, you're next up and you gotta follow in these footsteps or whatnot. And I just for me, if I know that, then I know where to s- stay away from. And 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 I take all of that, and I guess in a long-winded, I say all of this because Growing up, there were certain things that I learned from my parents, grandparents, and and so forth that I didn't like, and I and it, if it, that affected me. And I said, well, when when I become a dad, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I want my son to or or child to grow up. Son, I have a son, <clears throat> so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make sure that I spend 15 minutes every night with him at least. Before he goes to bed, reading a book with him, asking about his day. Hey, you know, my son turned 20 this past uh, weekend. And at 20, even at 20 years old, and he's been in college, he's a sophomore in college. And when he started college, I've talked to him pretty much every day. I can count on one hand since he started college how many days that I haven't been able to talk to him. And that's only because he's in an ROTC program, and those were the days that he was out in the field doing something. Every other day, I've I have talked to him, and it's either me checking in, and it's not me checking in on him, but if I forget to call, he'll call me, and that's just the the uh, the uh, bond that we've established. I think, which is which is great because I I see so many fathers. I've seen a lot of fathers where you become a single parent and then it's like, no, nothing to do with your kid. And, and it, it's sad because I think it's the great, and let me ask you this X greatest, greatest job in the world, being a father. You agree? I 100% agree. 100% agree. And I'll tell you this. Um, not only is it going to have a, a greater effect long-term than anything else we do. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I could go build a rock star business and, in 10 years, maybe 20 years, that business is probably going to be disrupted, bankrupted, bought, sold, totally irrelevant. I mean, but the the influence I have in my own home with my own children, that can go on for, for I mean, for centuries, really forever. But I'm saying it, it can go on so long. And so really to have that priority and say, you know what? Um, yeah, I have a job, but just so I can support the main job of being a parent. I mean, it's not, it's not the other way around. It's not like I'm just kind of a parent on the side and here's my job. It's, it's, I'm a parent. I have a job so I can support my, what I need to do as a father or, you know, in my case, uh, you know, my wife as well. And, and so, um, I think if you look at the statistics, even, I mean, you see a lot of kids, I mean, the truth is a lot of the kids who are in prison, a lot of the, the, the prisoners, a lot of them did not have dads that showed up. Right. Um, they were either physically not there or emotionally or both. A lot of times just both um, where, you know, kids really do need our children need us to step up. They need us to be there. They need us to to call and do like what you were saying, 15 minutes and read to them and, and see how their day was and make sure that they know that they're cared for. And 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 uh, that's kind of the message that I I'm, I'm really passionate about getting that out. So for any dads listening, you know, if, if you. Uh, gosh, there's so many good resources out there. You know, I watched a good movie the other uh, the other day. It's called Courageous. Um, I think it was made by the Kendrick brothers. Such a good movie about just inspiring dads to step up. Um, but it was it, anyway. No, I I, that. I, no, I and I appreciate you mentioning that. I'm gonna have to check that out because here here's the thing: most people know that I was I was a single father for for many many years, and and the other party wasn't uh, involved. Mm-hmm. And as a single parent, you have to play kind of both roles. And I was a military guy, so my 
uh, softer side, if you will, wasn't very soft. <laughs> I had to kind of learn and, you know, uh, it, it was a learning process for, for me as well. And I, and I think one thing I learned about being a parent was, and I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but I'm going to, is that I, I became dependent on my son being around. Like I, I, I enjoyed having somebody to take care of and watch out for and whatnot because it it distracted me from all the other stuff that I didn't want to deal with me personally right so when my son started high school he went to a private school and he was he was gone a little bit and then when he started college I didn't know what to do with myself and it it sucked quite honestly because I was like man my my boy's not around like I, I what am I supposed to do right but and I'm sure you can relate. You got some. You got one in college, and it, it doesn't matter. You know, they're still they're still yours. But then at the same time, hey, wait a minute. I recognize that you got to take a step back. Wait a minute. My job as a parent, as a father, is to give them a better opportunity than what I had first and foremost. And two, when they get to that point where you got to let go of the reins, so to speak, get that. You you don't have to necessarily. You're not walking in front of them and, and guy. Now you're walking beside them and you're letting them make their decisions. And and I tell you what, sometimes you fathers out there, sometimes that's hard to kind of let go of the reins and let your let your kids grow up. But I tell you what, you gotta mm. let you, you gotta let your kids fall because guess it's not your life, it's theirs. And they and and you gotta let them make those mistakes. Be there to help and guide uh, and whatnot. You're you're still the father, but it's it's also their life. And your job as a as a father is to you know, hopefully you you were there and you know, raised them to the point to where it was time for them to go out on their own. They were they had that solid foundation, right? Would you agree with that? X? Right. I would totally agree with that. I think I think you're a wise man. I really do. Stop it now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I mean seriously. I mean, it's a hard thing. I, I've experienced the same thing you've said, where it's like, okay, I I hope I've taught them well. Yeah. Send them off to you know. I have I have a wonderful daughter. Um, she's in college now. And, was it uh, was it hard for you to kind of send her off to college? Oh goodness, cried my eyeballs out, man. Yeah, yeah, a- a- absolutely. One of the one of the uh, um, super super hard, super hard. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you're right. It's kind of it's also awesome to see them kind of grow up, spread their wings. You know, and one of the things I've been thinking about as well is just that when they're young, and I'm not sure I did a great job of this all the time, but, you know, it's almost better to let them fail when the stakes are low and then talk about it. What I'm saying is, is, okay, you know, um, you know, this is kind of the rule of our home, but if you, if you, if you violate the rule, then there's this natural consequence and we can talk about it. And that way, if they fail a little bit when they're five or six or seven or eight, then they they can figure out that there are real consequences for things that have real meaning when they're 18 and 20, hopefully, you know, and, and yeah. the consequences can be much bigger, you know. So, like, let, let me just give you an example yeah. as a dad. So let's just say I'm at the at the store and my kid decides to steal a candy bar and they're five or six. OK, and let's just say I'm in a hurry to get to my next work thing. OK, so I'm thinking, OK, I've got to get this this work appointment or whatever. And my kids takes a, a, a candy bar. Now, sounds like an innocent thing, right? <laughs> but I and I, and so let's just say I've got I have this opportunity now to say, okay, <laughs> we're gonna go talk about we don't steal, right? You're gonna have to go give it back, and yeah, it's gonna be embarrassing, and you're gonna have to admit that you took it, and you're gonna maybe even have to, I might even have to you know have you earn some money to pay or whatever it is. Have them have a real consequence there because. The truth is, I could just say, well, we're in a hurry. Let's just go. And the long-term consequence could be that they could learn not to steal much later in life at when they're 18 and then they, they're or 20 and they end up going to jail and they yeah. end up having a record. And they end up, so me taking the time when they're five or six to talk about, Hey, this is how we don't, we don't steal. We, we respect people's property. We, you have to pay for things that that's a moment where, you know, I'm going to march them back in, make them give it back or whatever it is, but they're going to learn um, when they're, when they're five years old and the stakes are low, right. the stakes are much higher when you're 20 oh, yeah. or 18. Yeah. I mean, 
you want to have a record because you didn't your dad didn't teach you. And the truth is, a lot of the guys in prison never had a dad to just stepped up and said, hey, son, we're going to treat people with respect. We're going to be honest. We're not going to steal. We're going to try to use the golden rule. Or what I mean, just talking about it consistently when they're young has immense payoffs later for your kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have this opportunity to, to help. I mean, and, and the truth is, I got to tell you, I'm in a unique situation. My mom died when I was eight years old. And I watched her die. So she died after a little league game. She had a cerebral hemorrhage. Her, 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 she was just gone. I mean, from being healthy to gone. And, and I can tell you, and I, you know, I'm decades later, more than 36 years later. Okay. I can tell you little things my mom did little, you know, little things I knew she thought or said that still profoundly affect me today. And they're affecting her grandkids who she didn't meet. And I believe they'll affect her grandkids and her great grandkids, great grands. So little things she did when she, that she probably didn't even think about are having an immense effect decades later, generations later. And I'm telling you, that's the same way as with, with dads. I mean, spend it's, time with them, yeah. let them know you care about them, teach them, teach them correct principles. You know, that stuff is super valuable. I, anyway, yeah. you, got me, you got me going. No, man, it, 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 it's easy for guys like us to, to talk about it because we're passionate about our kids. And and it the sad truth of it is I know a lot of guys that aren't, and it's and it's it's frustrating uh, for me. And I and I guess and it I I've said it like this before where it's like I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think if I've done anything right in life at all, anything, I got that. Even if I don't from from this point on, and I don't do anything else the rest of my life. I can honestly say I got one thing right, at least. And that was my son. Yeah. You know, you know, there, I heard this saying, wise man said something like, this. he said, no success can compensate for failure in the home. Yeah. If you're being a good dad and, and, and do you hear that? No success. So, I mean, you could go out and, and conquer the world with business. If you're, if you're, if you're not being a good dad, it doesn't, nothing, it's not worth it. Nothing matters in my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and again, that's my opinion. You can have all the money in the world. And if you were a, uh, excuse me, a douchebag for a dad, it, it did you really? Were you really successful? No, That's right. no, because your kids are missed out. anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> listen, Love it. X, you wrote a you wrote a book um, for your kids, right? I did. What's, I did. It, what's it called? It's called what I want my children to know before I die. Okay. Hold that. Um, how do, where can people, for the listeners right now that, that are loving this and whatnot, how can they get that book? Where can they find it? Well, they can, they can go, either go to my website, which is xane.com. I have this wild first name, xane, E-K-S-A-Y-N.com. Or they could just find it on Amazon. Um, you know, what I want my children to know before e -K -S I die. A Y N. Yeah. Sorry, E-K-S-A-Y-N. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We're going to make sure that that's in the show notes and stuff, folks, too, uh, as well. So what's what's what prompted – let me ask you this. What prompted you to write the book? Why? Well, I'll tell you what prompted my. You know, I told you a little earlier my mom died when I was young, and yeah. and and she was good. She kept some journals, and, I you know, I treasure those journals. But there were oftentimes growing up – I would have loved to have just had more of her wisdom, you know, more of like what would she would have thought of different things. And I thought to myself, you know, why don't I write a book? Because the truth is, you know, my mom was 32 years old. She was healthy. She just had a, a cerebral hemorrhage, which burst her and, and she was gone. And, you know, we all think, you know, hopefully we'll live to be old and, and be able to see our grandkids and things. Anything could happen. Something could happen today that could could um, yeah. could end could end our lives, you know. And and so I thought, you know, I think it's important for me to 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 let my kids know uh, some of the most important things, so they have something from dad. Now, I also did it in part because you know you were talking about, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on a mission to just inspire dads to step up because such an opportunity, man. And it's not, it's not out, like, you know, out of guilt, like you should step up. It's like, you know, look at this opportunity you have to really make a difference in the world as a dad. Yeah. Can it be scary? Sure. I mean, it's swimming in deep waters. I mean, 
you've got what you do really, really matters, you know? And so that's the good news and the bad news, but, um, you know, be brave, step up, try to be a dad. So I, I guess I, the reason I published it publicly was to kind of just, uh, for my children mainly so they could see and that, you know, um, and also to perhaps, uh, inspire dads to say, Hey, you know, let's do the best we can. We've got this opportunity that's big, bigger than any, any business opportunity, bigger than any other opportunity to influence long-term to be a force for good in the world and our kids and the stuff that isn't seen. I mean, some of the best parenting moments, nobody else knows except for you and your son. You know what I mean? And me and my children, like a lot of times it's just sitting in the car, having a good chat or it's, you know, taking them, you know, taking them down to the grocery store while you're picking up some milk and you have a, a, something comes up and you have a good time. I mean, it's, it's not like these fanfare moments, you know, it's, it's just the little moments that occur along the way where you can, you're driving in the car and you have a good chat or, you know, family vacations sometimes are really great to take them on vacation and see new things and um, so many good opportunities. So I guess that's kind of, that's why I wrote the book. Those two reasons. Folks, again, you can, you can find it on his website. I'm going to spell it out. E-K-S-A-Y-N.com. Or you can find it on, on Amazon as well. Uh, What I want my kids to know. That's the name of the book. Yes. Yeah, what what I want my children. To what know. what I want my children to know. Excuse me. What yeah. I want my children to know. To know before I die. Before yeah. I die. Okay. Um. So check that out. And again, I you know we're talking about the fatherhood side of things right now, and and it it it's so important because imagine, uh, imagine what the world would be like right now if all fathers were involved in their kids' life. Mm-hmm. And that's not a guilt. That's not a guilt on anybody. It it's really not. It, it it's there's a problem in the world and 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 here's the thing I was a high school substitute teacher uh, in an inner city area and uh, they asked me to do the uh, oh, what they call it the in school suspension teacher because of my military background and whatnot and and the student to teacher ratio was thirty to one my first day in class I had fifty two students in my class. And all the majority of them, and and everybody thinks, well, the, and, and all the teachers like, oh, you got all the bad kids, blah 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 blah. And after after a couple of weeks, it wasn't they're not bad kids. It's because their parents weren't involved in their lives, yeah. and nobody was listening to them. And then all of a sudden, it was they wanted discipline, and it was it was kind of like I I uh, I ruled with the you know the first few hours of the day, I kind of ruled with the you know. In, instill the fear of God and then was like you can't talk don't look look forward do this do this do this and it was kind of like really really hard and then at noon when they had lunch after that I'd sit back in my chair and be like all right you stand up tell me your name and why you're here and what you want to do with your life and I would, I would just I'd start getting to know them individually and that triggered something because after those kids would no longer, I, I, and I tell them at the end of the day, I better not see you ever again in this class. Don't waste your time coming here. Be a good person, blah, 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 blah. Come and ask me for advice or whatnot. I don't mind that. Uh, do it on your lunch break. Don't skip class. All of a sudden, these kids would start coming back into my class middle of the day, and I'd tell them, hey, I thought I told you not to come back here anymore. And they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just here on my lunch break, Mr. Bird. Can I, can I sit in? And they'd want to talk and ask questions and whatnot. And yeah. the more I got to know these kids, the more I realized it wasn't, you know, a lot of these kids had jobs and they were working until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to support their families. And these, we're talking kids that are 15, 16 years old. And I was like, where are your parents? Parents don't have jobs. So I got to support the family. Wait, are you serious? Like, Really? Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm saying all this because it's like our jobs as parents is to, at least my opinion is, I I always thought that our job as parents was to give our kids a better life than we had and and instill values in them, the right and wrong, and just to be a good human being to other people. That's what I thought. I want... Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, there. that's it. Please, <laughs> no. That. No, I one hundred percent agree with you. And one one of the things that occurred to me while you were saying that, you know, 
they, they I've, I've read a little bit about this that kids actually they won't they can't they can't say it and they they don't even know if they can even if they're conscious of it but imagine being in a dark cave and you're trying to figure out where you're at and you come up against this wall and you push on the wall and you're like okay i kind of i found the side of the cave here this is good and then you push on it and it crumbles when it crumbles are you more um are you that would be a little disconcerting they yeah. kids like you said you know here you were a, a strong figure in that class and you're telling people these are the boundaries and i think a lot of these kids didn't have the security of having good boundaries so when it you actually don't want the wall to crumble you want you want your dad to be able to say no we're going to treat people with respect. We're not going to steal. We're going to keep the golden rule. We're going to treat, we're going to treat women with respect. We're going to treat others with respect. We're going to do these things. And when they push against that wall and they will, they almost just want it to be there. And, and I think one of the reasons the kids kept coming back to you is they could feel like, you know what, this guy's he's solid. Like I can push against it. And I, I realize he's, he, he still cares about <laughs> right, me, right. but like he's not budging. Right. And they and, didn't have that right. because if, if, if mom or dad is always crumbling it's actually less secure than if you can hold a firm boundary and say, no, nope, these are the rules. They wanted that and I think discipline. Yeah. If you're a dad and you can remember that, like the kids actually need firm boundaries. doesn't mean you have to be harsh. Right. I mean, it's just, this, this is the firm boundary. We're not crossing this line and they'll push against it, but they could tell you're solid. And it, and it actually makes them feel secure, it makes them better self-esteem to have someone who's, who can be that way. Sorry, you were going to talk. And no, I no, 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 no. I'm glad you bring, that's such a great analogy of the wall crumbling. And, and I never really looked at it that way, but it makes like so much sense because they'd, they'd come in. It was like a lot of, they would, uh, you, they wanted attention, right? They wanted somebody. And it wasn't like, and it, they didn't, they were going to get attention. And, and if they had, whether it was a positive or a negative thing that they had to do to get it, they want what they wanted, they were, I don't want to say crying out, but for, they were crying out, they wanted somebody to listen. And I was willing to listen. And, yeah. and then next thing you know, it, the, uh, the district came in, there was 10, 10 high schools in this district. District came down and says, hey, we need you to uh, hold a class for the teachers. You understand I'm a sub, right? I'm not a full-time faculty <laughs> member at any of these high schools. They're like, well, would you, you know, you've made an effect on the school. You're being, you know, people are talking about you. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're like, we'll give you an hour to teach a class. I said, I need 10 minutes. They're like, well, you can have an hour. Great. I'm only going to need 10 minutes. And the teachers came in. There was 15 teachers that came in from different schools. And they all sat down like, you know, who's this guy? Why is he so special? Blah, blah, blah. And after doing my little spiel intro... I said, here's the problem with with the, you want you guys wonder why you have you know and every teacher went down the line. They was like, well, my kids are bad; they're not listening. I can't get them to listen. Blah 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 blah. That that's that's your problem. You, I said, and they're like, what's the problem? I was like, you, it's you're the one that's not listening. Oh, I pissed off every teacher in there the, that day. And I said, it's I said, if you guys took five minutes, just five minutes with each kid and listen to what they had to say, you would understand what they're going through, and you would you would have so much more of an effect on their lives in a positive way as opposed to just going in every day. And, you know, listen, I respect teachers. It's hard. It's, it's a very hard job. Um, but if, if you want to be a teacher, and those of you that are out there that are listening, because I know I have teachers out there, and I love you, but listen to your students. You want to make an effect on it, you know. You, oh, I want to be a teacher because I want to, I want to make an effect on on a ch- child's life. Good, listen, stop talking and listen. That's 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 my advice because if you do that, it rolls into everything else, in my opinion. Because you don't know what that kid's going through if that kid's not involved. You know. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Adam, no, I love that. I, you know, and you know, even got you know, like there was a guy named Stephen Covey years ago yeah. who wrote this book, and he said, if you really want to be able to influence anybody to go anywhere, you have to do exactly what you said right there. Just listen, like yeah. understand first. And sometimes, even as dads or parents were starting, well, you need to understand what I'm saying. No, I love how you said that. Just listen. The other thing that came to mind here as you were talking is just um, 
You know, I heard somebody else say, if we don't have enough good parents, there will never be enough police officers or courts or anything else. If you don't have enough parents, like, and here's another quote that I, I'm probably misquoting, but I'll say it anyway. It's, it's something along these lines. It says, you know, if we don't fix marriages and families, everything else we do will be like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. Think about that. If we don't fix marriages and families, parenting, everything else we do will be like straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. In other words, in the world, there's this there's this idea that like, okay, it's this politician's fault or it's this politician's fault or this politician will help us. And I'm not saying you can't do some good in politics or it's it's this social program. We need more of this or less of this or more of this or less of this or, you know, it's this political party's fault or this political party's fault or whatever it is. But the truth is the real, real root. Have you ever heard for every thousand people hacking at the leaves, there's one hacking at the root. The real root of the problem is that we need good dads good parents to step up and say, I'm going to teach my kids because the problems we see in society happen decades before because there was an absent dad who didn't say, hey, you need to step up. It's not that we don't have enough police or too many police or not a little of this place or too many of this or too many of that. Or, I mean, we could go down that thing. And, and, I, and again, I'm not discounting the good efforts of, of people who are in politics or anything like that. I'm just saying the real root, right. not the leaves, the root of the problem yeah. is that we need good dads uh, good, good, good parents who step up to the plate. Um, and so, man, I love that you're, I love that you're passionate about man, this, Adam. X, really pr- appreciate this. X, you, you're saying something at the root and that, that something just clicked with me and, and I have to get this off my chest. Um, and how was I going to say it now? Uh, it, it's one of those. <laughs> I know. So oh, sometimes you right, think here, here like, it is. Yeah, no, yeah. here it is. Uh, it, let me ask you this. Your father, you got five kids. I'm assuming they, they're in extracurricular activities. You probably know other parents. You've probably met other, you know, whether single, they're single parents or whatnot. You, you probably know someone. Have you ever heard a parent give an excuse? Well, like, you know, I, I can't always be there for this, that, because I have a job, this and that and the other thing. And I, and I, I get that when I hear that, but here's my take on it and this isn't um this isn't the the best advice per se but but this is adam bird's logic of thinking when it comes to parenting so i'm going to share this with you because it was my own personal experience there was a point when my son got uh, into uh, junior high and he started doing extracurricular activities had a house had a car payment it was just me. I wasn't getting child support. wasn't doing, None of that stuff. It wasn't getting any help for anybody. Needed a job. Got to keep a roof on you know, over his head. Food, clothes, etc. Right. But this is where the but is. I wasn't gonna let anybody tell me what I can and can't do when it comes to my son. I quit my corporate job. This is not something mm. I recommend doing. No money in the bank, nothing. I, I just this was like this is this is where the God factor came in for me is like you gotta take that that's that uh I love it, man. I love that you did that. Leap of faith. Trying not to get I still get emotional. It's been years too. Wow. Um you take that leap of faith. And you, I didn't worry about where the money was going to come from. I didn't worry about whether or not we were going to lose a house or not because it didn't matter because I, I knew it would work out the way that it's supposed to. And, and again, I'm not saying, you know, not everybody has that opportunity or support or whatnot, but I made, uh, I think my faith, obviously, number one, came into factor and it allowed me to be a dad. Uh, and a parent to my my son. So when I hear parents say, "Well, I can't do this because I got a job, I got this, I got that," listen, there's then to me, you're you're missing faith in your life. You have to have. I get it. You have to pay the bills. I'm I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I'm not saying that, folks. But I'm saying put your put your kids. You know, next obviously after your faith, put your put your kids first or second in that that aspect of it. And that's that's what I did. And I'm glad I did. My son turned 20 years old. He got a full ride scholarship to college. I didn't do that. He did. 
I laid the found. I'd like to take some credit and, and laid the foundation, but I don't even like taking the credit for doing that because he worked hard for that. He earned that. He wants to be a chaplain. How many you know teenagers, twenty year olds, do you know that want to join the military to be a chaplain? I don't. I don't know very many. But I'd like to think that he he's chosen that path in his life because of the way I, I raised him, I think. And I'm sure you had a massive effect, probably more than you know, maybe even more than he knows. Um, I guess we'll see. Such a, such a great thing. You know, I, I love what you said here. Do you really want to have more stuff that is going to get old fat? I mean, here's the deal. You can go buy the coolest <laughs> car today. Five years, it's not cool anymore. No. 10 years, it's really not cool anymore. 20 years, you know. It doesn't matter. Wouldn't you rather just drive a 20-year-old car, but be a good dad and make a difference than say, I need to have this new stuff, but I'm going to neglect my kids. You know, we make time for what's important. And I and I, I think that's such a great story of you saying, you know what? My son was more important than this corporate job I had. Yeah. I mean, good for you, Adam. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> my it's, hat's it's, off to you. I it, mean, that it's stressful, and I, but it, but at the same time, you, I think you have to have faith. And, and the point of that sure. is it's, it, it's funny X because you and I, you were, you know, I'm a little more seasoned. Um, now that I'm getting up, you know, there was a time in my twenties where it's like, you want the exotic cars and the big mansions and all that other hoopla stuff. I'll be 45 this year. And you know, I don't, care about any of that crap like i'm happy like being in the woods or on the lake fishing or helping other people get to where they want to go or walking my dogs that's i don't care about any of that other stuff is that other stuff cool would it be nice no here's why it's not nice to have a big house anymore one i don't need it and two i certainly don't want to clean it right you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that stuff anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, the, Absolutely. Your, as you get older, your purpose uh, comes more clear. And, and I'm blessed that mine has, has, has done that. Um, so, yeah. But parenting, best job in the world, being a father, greatest job, hardest job in the world, most, most rewarding job i think in the world you're doing such a great thing with this adam i mean seriously uh the, the fact that you're helping people realize that i i so think awesome. more more people need to to get into that x let's i want to change it up here a little bit because we it, i know you and i could continue just talking about dad stuff and swapping dad stories sure but sure. you're you're a businessman yourself and and we we got a little bit of time left, so I want I want to dive into your business side of things. What's what what do you do? You mentioned that you go around, you speak and whatnot. So tell us a little bit about the business side of X. Well, you know, I um, I did write I, I wrote this book uh, years ago. It was about how to get past gatekeepers to the decision maker when you're um, when you're trying to sell to an organization or a small government or a, a big a big business. And a lot of a lot of things that people run into are um, you know, how do I get my idea in front of a, a, a the right person? You know, right. you can sell somebody in the organization, but if they're not the decision maker, then it doesn't help. So I wrote a book about this. I was lucky there was a lady, uh, uh, a really nice um, person at Forbes who picked up and wrote an article on it. And that helped me uh, do a little bit of um, speaking and training around the country. Interesting thing, though, I've got to tell you, the main premise behind this book is actually something I'm going to circle back for a second. Yeah. Uh, that's a parenting principle. Okay. The pr- <laughs> parenting principle. I'm just going to, I'm going to yeah. circle back because they're, they're all interrelated. Right, okay. So right? there's, there's this book. It was a super good book written by Glenn Latham. It's called the past book is that when you see a behavior, behaviors are kind of like seeds you would plant in the ground. Okay. Okay. And attention, like if you imagine I had a big pitcher of water in this hand and I'm and I'm watering the, the behaviors I want to see grow with attention. And so basically, if you see a behavior and you water it with attention, it, it eventually grows. Well, that's been found to be the most effective way to shape human behavior. And I'm going to tell you a parenting story, and then I'm going to tell you a business story. And they're the same exact principle that we're using here. Okay, so, you know, my daughter, once she gets up, she's probably six or seven years old. She knocks on my door and says, hey, dad. 
And guess what? I made my lunch. I made my bed. I got ready for school. I just wanted to surprise you. And I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. And I just learned about this positive reinforcement where you got to like give attention for the good behaviors, right? Well, um, I went to my wife in the closet and I said, Hey, let's give this a lot of attention. Let's see if we can make it. So I went out there and I'm like, wow, your bed looks good. You made your lunch. I can't, and you, we didn't even have to ask you. Wow. And I, and I just laid it on really thick. Right. And it was sincere. I was just trying to praise her for good behavior. My wife did it too. And well, guess what happened? She did it again. Yeah. And she did it again. Well, what a lot of parents fall into is they fall into this trap of like pointing out what their kids aren't doing right. Now it's, it's, it's okay to point that out, but I'm saying if you're focusing it on all the time, so, you know, you see the parent and the kid walks in the parents like, well, I can't believe you stayed out till three in the morning and you didn't make your bed and you you're hanging out with the wrong kids. Well, what that parent is inadvertently doing is they're watering the behaviors. They don't want to see grow with attention. They're watering the weeds. Well, anyway, I can tell you my daughter, now my daughter, she's a good girl. I mean, she's just a good girl, but I'm saying she ended up, uh, uh, doing this all the time where she just get up, make her bed, get ready. And, and, and I think I really believe that that principle works. Well, you can use it in business. Yes. Let me give you an example. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just sincerely catching people doing something. I'm not saying being insincere, like sincerely right. waiting till they do something good and then giving them real attention for really good right. behavior. So here, here's a, here's a business story. You ready? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll back up. I'm at this bank. And I had a problem with my account. Well, I'll tell you, here's the problem. I didn't put money in the account when I should have put money in the account. It was in the red, okay? And I go into this bank, this was years ago, and I go in and I I, I was concerned because I had all these overdraft fees. And I went in and the, the guy there said, he was really nice. I put the money in like I should have. He waived a bunch of the fees. And when he was done, I looked at him and I said, hey, can I get the email to your boss? And he looked at me kind of funny, like, why do you want the email to my boss? And I said, I'm just going to tell him what a great job you did. I really appreciate it. And he, and he said, you could tell he wasn't used to that. He's like, okay. And he gave me the email to his boss. So I went home that night and I, I typed up a little email that said something like this. Dear Mr. Branch Manager, I had the opportunity of working with Jeff. He was very professional and helpful. I think he deserves a raise and a promotion. And I sent that to his boss and I copied Jeff on it. Didn't take him. It, it took three right, minutes. Right. Well, I didn't think anything else about it. He was nice for me. He did this. Well, here's the funny thing. I went back to the same bank and I and I live in an area where there's quite a few people. I mean, it's a fairly decent sized city. People don't really know each other just because, you know, in smaller towns, people know everybody. But in this is kind of a, a larger, a bigger place. And and um, I'm standing in line. There's like 10 people in front of me at this bank. And something happened that never happened before. I'm standing in line and this somebody comes up to me. And it was not Jeff and it wasn't the branch manager. But they come up to me and they, and they knew my name and they said, Mr. Anderson. And I said, yeah, I was kind of surprised. He goes, can I help you with your banking? And I and I go, well, sure. And he goes, follow me. He took me from the back of the line. Let me do my banking in front of everybody else. You would have thought I had $10 million at the bank, which we all know I, we, you, we all know I didn't, right? And, and uh, it happened again and again and again, where they treat me like this king. And it didn't start happening until I did this thing at the bank. Well, here, let me tell you, let me fast forward this. Okay. So I, after I wrote this letter, I, I asked people, I go, why did that happen? And they're like, well, Jeff probably told people around the water cooler. Now everybody wants you to write a letter to her. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Right. Um, but, but fast forward, like a, a few years after this, I'm sitting in New York. Okay. I do sales. I'm sitting in New York. I'm sitting across this, this table uh, from a higher level director in New York. And this guy looks at me and he goes, and I was surprised by the way, when he said this, he goes, you're the only salesperson I've ever led into my office. And I was surprised. And he said, um, and then he said something really, really interesting, which I won't tell you exactly what he said just yet, but what do you think I did to get in there? I'll ask people that. And, and here's the answer. It was the exact same thing I did at the bank, but just being sincere, like what happened is I'd sent this, this director an email. He totally ignored me. Didn't even call me back. I called in a few days later to talk to him. His secretary picked up the phone. I said, Hey, can I speak with Bob? She said, he's unavailable. They always say that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the, and then, and then I, I said, you know, maybe I, what I could do is just resend the email I sent uh, before and, and copy it to you. Would that be okay? And she said, sure. And then I noticed, like this, this secretary, she was genuinely just friendly. She kind of had this fun, bubbly, happy personality. And I just said, you know, I talk to people on the phone all day long, and I meant it sincerely. I just said, you know, I, it's just refreshing to talk to someone who's as nice as you are. Thank you. I was trying, and I meant it. Yeah. And. Uh, and then I said, and I, and as I was pulling up the email, I said, you know what? I'm going to mention that to your boss. And I, and I did, I just, I typed really fast. I said, dear Bob, 
had the opportunity of speaking with Janice. She was very professional and helpful. I think she deserved, I, I think she's an asset to your team. By the way, I'm going to be in New York on these days. And I sent it to Bob, her boss. And the first line was a compliment about her and it was sincere. And I said, Hey, did that email come through? And she said, let me check. And there was a little pause. And she said, yeah, I came through. And then, and then, uh, um, she said, and then there was another little positive. She goes, thanks for the compliment. I said, well, I meant it. I mean, I appreciate you being so positive. Right. That was what, when I, let's fast forward back to where I'm sitting across from this high level director. He looks at me and he goes, you know, you're the only salesperson I've let, I've let into my office. Yeah. And the reason you're here is because you were nice to my secretary. I talked to my secretary more than I talked to my wife. And some of these, some of these sales guys don't understand that. I thought that was really interesting. It was just me pointing something out. Now it's the same principle. Listen to this, whether it's catching my daughter doing something right and giving her attention or just Janice, who's on the phone, who's just being friendly and just giving her attention for it. That same principle of, of just positive reinforcement, it works at work. Yeah. It works with your children. Oh, it works with your spouse. I mean, it, it works everywhere. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about let's catch people doing something right, you know, and let's catch our kids doing something right. Instead of always harassing them for what they're doing wrong. And even in business, like what are, what are people doing right? And they found even research-based that that um, catching people doing something right is like the, the most effective way to shape human behavior long-term. I mean, anyway, you're uh, you got you're me going you're on you're this. No, it, it, keep going, man, because you're creating, <laughs> you're creating a, a positive result from it. Yeah. And, and you're, you're uh, what am I trying to say? you're you're putting out positive energy into the universe right and 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 it's you know how simple is it just to take 5 minutes to say thank you for being polite that that could have made her day that you know she could have oh, bad, yeah. and just saying thank you to somebody or opening a door for someone you know, when yeah. you're walking into a building, there's little small things. We all think that we need to be doing these great things. Here's what you do. Do this. The little things count, folks, I think. is, And, and correct me if I'm wrong, X, but it, I'm going to start doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to challenge myself now to start any type of interaction that I have with other professionals, business, whether it's through email or or when I'm out and about at the bank or, or at one of my clients, you know, restaurants or, or whatnot, I'm, uh, Hey, you know what? People need it. Thank you. Yeah. Because it, it's it. put us, you don't know what that person's going through and just a simple thank you. And and look what it does for you on a, from a business standpoint. And I think if you're a business owner, you should be doing that for your people anyway, because you, well, you, you might not be in business if it wasn't for the people helping you out anyway. You're right. And, you know, I think if you just try to do it, it's kind of fun. Um, just like, let me just give you one more example. Yeah, please. You know, I'm at, I'm at, the, I'm at the, the oil change place and I've learned about this. I'm like, okay, these guys came and they vacuumed out the car and they windexed the windows. And they changed my oil really fast. And I'm like, you know what? That's a behavior that I think is an awesome, good behavior. So I did the same thing. I'm like, hey, go get your, go get your, your boss over here. So the boss comes over and the kids are kind of like, what? And, and I, right there in front of the kids, I go, hey, you know what? These guys did a phenomenal job. They, they vacuumed it fast. They were professional. I asked them questions. They were just, just, these are exactly the kind of employees you want working for you. When you get, a, when you get promoted, will you drag these guys into your spot? And the kids were just kind of like, did this guy just do that? And I, there was nothing I could get out of it. It's just to try to help that. But it was really interesting. I went back to that same oil change place and they remembered my name and they're, I don't even have to bring the coupon. They're like, give that guy half off, you know? And, and it was <laughs> one of those, one of those, um, one of those things where it's like, <laughs> you know, um, it's, stuff starts to happen when you start right, right. seeing the good in people. Um, and it really is the most powerful way to affect. Now, I'm going to bring that back to one parenting. Listen, you just got me on a roll, man. No, I'm sorry, go, Adam. go, you, go, go, you man. Asked go. Such good questions. Run with Listen. it. Run with it. <laughs> okay. So you've seen parents, sometimes they get really frazzled because their kids are tantruming. You know, if you have a two or three year old kid or five and he's screaming, but the parents often don't realize that they're playing into this. So remember, um, whatever you give attention to you, you make bigger. So I've seen parents, you know, the kid is just screaming in the middle of the store. 
but the parent right there is giving him all kinds of attention. Like, what do you need, sweetheart? Do you need a candy? Do you need something? Let me, ca- can you be quiet? You're embarrassing, you're embarrassing mommy or daddy right here in the store and blah, 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 blah. And the kid's screaming and the parent is like watering this behavior with tons of attention. Every time the kid tantrums, the parent's like, well, how can I fix it? How can I help you? Well, they found, and it, by the way, back to this book, Power of Positive Parenting by Glenn Latham goes, look, when kids are acting up and they will, right? Yep. We just have a conversation with them. We say, hey, look, when you act that way, you get to sit in the corner. They, what they basically need is zero attention. Yep. Like, so you put them in the corner and you do it nicely. You don't have to be mean or harsh about it. You can just say, hey, when, you, when you're going to tantrum like this, you can just sit in the corner. Now you don't send them to their bedroom where they can play video games because that's kind of reinforcing in right. itself. You need zero reinforcement. So they have to be bored to death sitting in the corner, okay? Well, what happens is, is sometimes the kid will scream for like eight, nine minutes and the and the parent can't handle it. So the parent's like, I'm just going to go over and give them attention. And what did they just teach the kid? They taught the kid, if you scream for eight or nine minutes, you'll get mama's attention. Well, what they need to do is wait for the kid to burn out. Like let him, he can sit in the corner for 25 minutes until he burns out. And then as soon as he's acting nice, the parent can go give him attention for the good behavior and say, you know what? I love it when you play nicely with your brother, or I love it when you're being calm and, and happy like this and give him a big hug. And what happens is if they do that consistently, now it might, if, if somebody has been tantruming for a while, it might take a few weeks to do this, but like, if you do it consistently, it's not long before the kid figures out, Hey, I don't get any of mom's and dad's attention when I'm acting like this, but when I'm acting good, yeah, I get tons of attention and, and the parent can actually help get rid of these tantrums, but see, just taking the time to say, I'm going to go spend an hour reading the power of positive parenting by Glenn Latham. So I have this like extra tool in my head. That sometimes can have massive payoffs, all the stress that they've had for years of tantruming by just thinking about something or taking a little time to learn a new parenting technique, man, it could, it could change their whole parenting style, their whole career, the whole, the whole feeling of the house, the whole feeling of the family, the whole feeling of the home. And so like, I'm just saying, you know what, you're probably doing a lot of things right as a dad or a mom. And there might be like one or two tweaks that if you just learn, like, okay, I'm not going to give attention to that behavior, but I'm going to catch him doing something right. Could change the whole feeling of your home. And so you're not that far away from having um, a more peaceful or happy home, but take the time to, as Stephen Covey says, sharpen the saw. Sometimes we're sawing so fast. We're like, I don't have any time to sharpen the saw. He's like, no, sometimes you need to step back and figure out how to make the saw sharper, figure out how to be a little bit better parent and things will change. Adam, you're so good to listen to me, man. You give me, you've got the, you're a great interviewer. (laughs) This podcast is so amazing. Like I usually don't talk this long, but you've got such good questions and good comments, man. What a great thing you're doing. Listen, no, this is all you brother. This is all you. It, this is, it's so true. I want to point something out here real quick. Um, Nowhere in what X was just saying, ladies and gentlemen, did he say your kid's tantruming? Just give them your iPad or your Game Boy or or anything like that. It's not. It's not. It's not parenting. Just wanted to, wanted to throw that out there because of the world that we live in. And those, I know there's somebody that's listening to this that, that just struck a nerve. You're welcome. So that's <laughs> X. We're right. we're coming up on time, brother. Uh, those that are listening that want to work with you or or. Um, find more about you when I go, go ahead and give me, give me where they, where you want people well, to go, can, where they follow you and whatnot. They could go to xane.com. I, I've got this wild first name. Like there's nobody named xane unless they're in our, my family. So if you just Google E-K-S-A-Y-N, which is my first name, there's lots of different social media. I mean, you can follow me on social media or things, but I, uh, uh you know, um, you know, I, I do a podcast that uh, is actually, I need to learn from you. Your podcast is so awesome. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's a few things people can do. But, um, yeah, if you just look me up on X, just Xane or Google me, xane.com. Um, Hold on. Now, you bring it up a podcast. What's the podcast called? Uh, Principal Podcast. Okay. And and I'm assuming podcast. they can list, list, they can listen to that where all podcasts are their favorite podcasts, right? They can listen to that. They, goodness. Um listen to adam bird so you need to listen to you got your great interview man listen i got i got one more question for you um you're on a show called the decision hour and we've talked we make decisions every day we make decisions every day but x there's there's one decision that that you probably think about that stands out your feet are on the line you have to make that decision what is it and what was the atmosphere like for you at that time? 
Oh. You mean one decision? You have to you you name a time in your life where your feet were on the line and you had to make that decision. What was it? And what was the atmosphere like for you at that time? You know, things that come to mind, and I'll tell you this, Adam, you know, there was a time where I was a single parent and a uh, hard time, hard time. Um, but to, to stay involved in my child's life, no matter what it cost, no matter what it did, that was a decision and I'm so glad I made to, to, to stay involved. So when I hear you tell your story, I'm so, I'm moved, I'm touched. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of dads who could say, you know, I'm in this situation, it's hard, what do I do? Stay involved. And uh, that's one decision that I'm grateful I've made. I love it, man. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I appreciate your time and wisdom in sharing with our listeners today. So, everybody, we're up on time right now. Go check out X's website. We'll have that in the show notes, E-K-S-A-Y-N.com. Also, make sure you go check out our Parent Network Heroes Media Group. Go check out all the great shows that we have over there. We got new content. Pretty soon here, we will have events that we have coming up over the next six months where we're going to be, so don't be shy. Go out and meet uh, meet the crew uh, and everything there, heroesmediagroup.com. That's all the time I got for today, folks. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.